May the words of my heart and the meditation of our souls be acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen. Our text is from our Old Testament reading from 1 Samuel 16, where the Lord says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So far, our text. This is Christ the King Sunday, the last Sunday of the church year, as we celebrate the fact that Christ is our King, the one who rules all. Like our epistle lesson, or the lesson from Acts, where Paul relates all that the Lord has done, you and I know what God has done for us as well, do we not? We know the story of Christ and how He came, He suffered, He died be our Savior. He rose again that we may have eternal life. This is our God. This is our Savior, Jesus. He is Christ the King. The question I lay before you today is, how do you worship this King? How do you live for Him? It's always a challenge, isn't it? Most often, you and I look at our outward things, what we do, what we say, how we live. But God says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What's in here is what is important to the Lord. And what is it that we need to have in here? Well, this last week, we've been reading about David, another king, a king that is described by Paul as a king after God's own heart. Indeed, as I was reading this, the, in that last summary at the end of our chapter on page 160 in here, it says, David was a warrior, a poet, and a man after God's heart. He was a leader who put God first, who loved and followed God. What is it to be a man after God's own heart, a person after God's own heart? Today I'd like to use this example of David that is set before us to see who is, what it means for you and I to be people after God's own heart. Your outline is on page 7 in your worship folder, and as you look at that, you notice that what I first want to say is what it does not mean to be a man or a person after God's own heart. It does not mean that he's necessarily popular, nor that his life is easy. For David, that was true, was it not? David, we are told, was anointed by Samuel. And God blessed him in a very special way at that time. And Samuel be, or David became a man of God with the power of God. And you'd think, great, that means his life is going to be happy. It's going to be easy, right? No. David's life was just beginning to be a problem. One of the things I caught throughout this story as I read chapter 11 was all of the people 
who were against David. His oldest brother, Eliab, gets angry with him and cuts him down in front of all the other soldiers. We're told Goliath despised David. Well, that one I could understand. Okay? But the king, Saul, tries to kill him. Even David's wife, Michael, gets all upset with him and opposed to him. And I think the word he even uses is despises him because of some of what he does. David's life did not become easy when God blessed him. David's life became complicated. He was a shepherd taking care of sheep. Yeah, there were problems. There were lions and there were bears and others that he had to fight to protect the sheep. But when he becomes in the spotlight, now he's running from the king. He's hiding. He's fearful for his life. He's begging food from others. No, to be that child of God, to be a man after God's own heart, did not mean it was easy, nor did it mean that he was popular. And if you and I think that being children of God, that being blessed by God, means that for some reason our life is going to be easier, or we're going to be more popular with people, no. That's not what it is to be a man after God's own heart. Nor does it mean that he was perfect or sinless. There are a lot of events in David's life where he did it wrong, where he blew it. The most famous of those, I think, is his relationship with Bathsheba, which we will read about in chapter 12 after the Christmas holidays, after the first of the year, when we come back to this series on the story. But there was, a, there was an event in David's life from this time period, covered in chapter 11, that did not make the book the story, that I think is a great one, and that's the one about Nabal. Nabal was an Israelite. Several of his servants had been protected by David at one time, and David is in need of food for his men and so on. So he sends some men to Nabal and asks him to, if he has some surplus food and whatever that can help David. Nabal outright refuses in a very derogatory way. David gets very angry, gathers his army together and in, in a rage and in vengeance wants to come and wipe out Nabal and his family. It is only when Nabal's wife, Abigail, confronts David with his sin and his need to trust and look to God rather than to his own anger that David understands his sin, is confronted with it, confesses it, and seeks God's forgiveness. And that's the point. It's not that he thought he was perfect or sinless. A man of God, a man after God's own heart, is not one who puts on airs as though he is somebody special or that nothing is wrong. 
He hides his sin or denies it. That's not a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart acknowledges their sin, knows that they are sinful, imperfect people, but also knows that God in Christ forgives them and loves them and willingly confesses their wrong, confesses their sin, receives that forgiveness from God that he so willingly gives in Jesus. It's not that it's going to be easy. It's not that we're going to be popular. No. It's not even that we try and put on airs as if we were sinless. What is it to be a person after God's own heart? I like the summary here in the book. He was a leader who put God first, who loved and followed God. Here's what it is to have that heart for God. To put God first. To love Him and to follow Him. How do we see those things acting out in the life of David? David put God first. He humbled himself before God. And he respected the things of God. He humbled himself before God. I'm sure David would have been perfectly happy to continue to be the shepherd, to continue in the father's, in his home visit or business. But he humbled himself before God, acknowledged God, and let his life be guided by God. He put God first. And when God blessed him, and at the end of this chapter where God tells him that it's through him that the Savior is going to be born and all of that. We read on page 159, David says, Who am I, Lord God? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? David knew it wasn't about himself. That he wasn't this great person that deserved this kind of blessing. David humbled himself before his God. David realized the sinner that he was and that all that he had in his life was a blessing from God. He acknowledged God's work in his life. And in that humility sought to live for his God. He put God first. And because he did put God first, he respected the things of God. That's why he was so upset when Goliath maligned the name of the God of Israel. It wasn't that he was making fun of the Israelite army. David could have probably stood that. But when he riled against God himself, that was disrespectful. And that David would not stand for. And so he put his life on the line for his God. Because God was first. God was first. And he took one look at that little tabernacle that God lived in when he had this big palace. And his respect for God made him wish, want to build a temple, a building proper for this God whom he respected. 
a heart that puts God first. That's what it is to be a person after God's own heart. It's not about our desires, our pleasures, whether we're popular or successful or our life is easy. If we go after those kinds of things, then our heart will be turned to them. And ultimately, we will compromise our relationship with our God because our heart is there. Those things become first. No, when we put God first, when He is uppermost in our heart, then we humble ourselves. We acknowledge that He is there. We acknowledge His claim as King over our life. And we respect Him. We live for Him. And we respect the things of God. We do that because in our heart also, when we put God first, we love Him. What God has done for us in Jesus Christ, what God did for David in all of the blessings that he gave him, in all of the ways he protected him, David loved God. He had a zeal for God. In Romans 11, we are told that zeal is a spiritual fervor that leads to serving God. It is so much excitement for God that that God is special, that He is important, that we love Him to such an extent That we seek to serve Him in our life. And in that zeal then, David depended on God. We see in this story, David's zeal for God. He was so upset at Goliath. He willingly went out, risked his own life. Because it was not right for him to malign God. He loved God so much that he was not going to let that happen. And so he went out to slay the giant in the name of God. We see his zeal for his God when they bring the ark into Jerusalem. And David is there dancing and celebrating because it is so important. It is so special. His love for God is so great to bring God's ark into the city of Jerusalem where his palace is, where he lived. To have God there with him was such an exciting and special thing that he rejoiced and he danced and he didn't care whether people liked it or not. His zeal for the Lord was clearly demonstrated. And in that love of God, in that zeal, he depended on God. Again, one of the things in this chapter that really, uh, for for me, was a a little bit of an eye-opener again, was those two psalms that were quoted, the one on page 152 and the one on page 154, where David is singing and celebrating and calling upon God to help him. 
But it is interesting that the way he puts it is he depends on God. He does not ask God to give him the strength to overcome his enemies. Instead, he asks God to take care of his enemies. Do you see the difference? It's not about David here. It's not about what David can do. It's not about God helping David do what David wants to do. It's about God blessing David, taking care of David, getting rid of David's enemies. That's true dependence on God. In his heart, he loved God and he depended upon him in the face of all of the trials and all the problems. God would get him through. God would bless him. God would guide him. It was all about God. In our lives, too, how often do we not pray, Lord, help me do what I want to do? Instead of praying, Lord, what would you have me do with my life? Lord, guide me into how you want this to go in my life. I depend on you to take care of whatever is going on in my life. To have such a love for God that we are excited about Him, that we make Him first in our life, we celebrate Him, and that we depend on Him. That is a person after God's own heart. One who knows what God has done for him in Jesus. And who seeks in his heart to serve this God. And that service comes by following him. David was obedient to God and he acted in God's name. David sought to do God's will, even if it caused him suffering and pain. David was obedient unto God. He did not kill Saul, even though that meant extra problems for his life. David went out against Goliath, not in his own name, not saying how great David was, but again, Hear these words of David when he says to Goliath, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David didn't put his own stamp on what he was doing. He put his God's stamp on it. This is in the name of the Lord. Goliath was to know who he was battling, and it wasn't David. It was God himself. For you and I, to be obedient to our God, to follow him, even if it costs us something. And boy, doesn't it do that at times, right? Don't we have to make the hard decisions in life to walk with our God rather than to take the easy road or the road that people and this world would have us do. But sometimes 
It costs us to walk with our God and to be willing to pay that price to follow Him, to be obedient to Him, to have such a heart for our God that we will walk with Him no matter what. And I wonder how much our lives would be different. I wonder how we would look at the activities of each day if in our heart and in our mind we did what Colossians 3 says. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I wonder if we put the stamp of God's name on each activity that we did each day. I do this today in God's name. This event today, in this hour, will honor God. That in our heart, each moment, each event that we live, we live it in the name of, to the honor of, our God, who is our King. I wonder how different we would view all of the things, the events of each day of our life. David was a man after God's own heart. He held God first in his life. He loved him greatly. And that love affected everything he did and how he depended on his God and how he followed him. God calls upon you and I, living under him as Christ the King, to be people after God's own heart. And whether you're Jeremy, who is starting a new job for our congregation, Whatever your position, pastor, whatever you are, to live that life, put God first, love Him, have such a zeal and a dependency on Him that everything you do is in His name, obedient to Him. Oh, how God will bless if we just be people after God's own heart. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, for it is only in Him, blessed by Him, knowing what He has done as your Savior and King, that you can have a heart after God's own heart. Amen.